Welcome back to another episode of Ben and Eric's podcast. On today's episode, we're starting a brand new series called Classics, where we review one classic old movie per episode. The catch is one of us hasn't seen it until we watch it for the pod. So on today's episode, we're covering the 1967 Mike Nichols classic of American cinema, The Graduate, starring Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft. Let's get right into it, Eric. So how was the first watch? You are our lucky first timer watching The Graduate for the first time. How was it? Yeah, weird, because uh, this movie came out a year after I was born, so I've had 56 years to watch it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't. Plenty of time. And uh, you, as the newbie, uh, were way ahead of me on this one, so yeah. um, we should have had a contest. Like, who <laughs> who was the one who hadn't seen it before? I'm yeah, sure right anyone. now I'm Right now, I'm beating you in years. We can, we can, uh, I'll have the advantage in that category, but yeah, once we get to some better movies we'll, or some other movies, we'll, um, we'll get, we'll, we'll keep the contest going. So, yeah, how was it? Uh, well, um, firstly, um, this did the movie came from a list that it's listed on a, um, a watch list that I have on, uh, Letterboxd. Uh, that I mentioned last time we were on together, which is movies I'm embarrassed to say I haven't seen. So everyone's mm-hmm. probably yelling at the at their phone right now, wondering they're all the very angry. I didn't see this movie yet. Um, so there's a few more. There's like ten or twelve more movies on this list that I'm embarrassed to say I haven't yeah. seen, and I'm happy to publish that list because I put it out there. Um, yeah, I can is, see it. This is on it, and I do get yelled at whenever I show this list to people. So they yell at me. You haven't seen The Graduate? That's right, I haven't. So. Um, they they're they're justified in their anger but uh i did watch it uh i did really like it uh it was stylistically it was a little bit over the top for me i know you're probably going to get mad at me for saying that Mm. but um you know some of the directing decisions and certainly some of the soundtrack and score and um montage kind of scenes that they did were a little bit too cute by half for me um a little, like a, like an obsession with Simon and Garfunkel so let's go ahead and put two songs straight with uh you know aerial shots of of Benjamin Come on yeah I'm, oh in, the middle, I'm in the middle we'll of speaking get, I'm in the we'll middle get of back speaking. to this we'll Excuse get back me. to hello. this hello we're getting back song? to it I might yeah. be on mute can you hear me I can I sure can <laughs> I was wondering cuz you're talking over me um <laughs> So yeah, I was I was a little disappointed with that. I thought, you know, obviously 1967, maybe, you know, we're gonna try something. We're gonna be a little little cute. We're gonna try some directing techniques and and some you know unique shots and that kind of thing. So a bit of a pass on that. But overall, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought the subject matter was great. I kind of made some assumptions before I seen it about when the affair happens, when the sedu- seduction happens, that kind of thing. Uh, and it kind of took me by surprise that it was all kind of really quick. We're about to spoil a 56-year-old movie here. so Yeah, so I have no me, problem. But... I have no problem spoiling this <laughs> So movie. it all happened right up front, which is like, I really didn't know that, you know, the daughter was going to get involved and there were some other things. So I was, I really enjoyed. Um, Wasn't it a pleasant surprise? Some of the twists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I enjoyed the movie. I absolutely enjoyed it. I wasn't, I wasn't blown away. My God, this is an instant classic kind of thing. Um, but I did enjoy the movie. So that's the way you've watched it. And we'll mm-hmm. get back, we'll get back to it because this movie, I think there's so much to unpack that I've seen it. I think this is my third time. I, 
I think I know this is my third time. There mm-hmm. could have been a fourth, but I don't remember. I think this. I think this is my third time watching it. So, because I think I had seen it, and then in my high school film class we reviewed it, and this was a movie we broke down scene by scene. So we spent weeks on this movie, like watching, like bits of it in class. We'd watch like thirty minutes of it in class in an hour and a half class, and take notes on every scene and what these major scenes meant and how they were done and really got us into the nitty gritty of the filmmaking of this movie and exactly how well done it was. Mm -hmm. And I I really came to appreciate it because I had seen it before or I had seen bits of it, but breaking it down like that really was like, Oh shit, this is a super, super well done movie. And I mean, regardless of how you read into it, there's almost always something to read into between the performances, the filmmaking and what have you. So I've seen it a few times over the last few years. I I think it's a tremendous movie. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I can see getting an appreciation for some of the decisions Nichols made. Um, Some of them were, a little too distracting for me. So even though if I, even if I got what you understood about what was mm. special about it, I, it still took me out of the movie sometimes. And that's just, you know, that's a straight novice, you know, amateur <laughs> viewer that I am um, who took maybe one film class in college, but mm. it still took me out of the movie and kind of interrupted the flow for me. So, but I will, I will cede to you and, uh, and let you well, explain the genius that I missed. Let's just well, let's just talk about it. So, like in the beginning, I wrote down in the first six minutes, film like by using filmmaking techniques, Ben is compared to or Ben is called a lamb. He is compared to a sad clown, a piece of luggage, and a drowning scuba diver. That that's like four pretty mm-hmm. major character characterizations, indirect indirect characterizations. Right. So. He's not saying it about himself. No one's telling it to him. But through filmmaking, in six minutes, you learn about Ben. Not to mention, you know that first scene where he is um, – so he's on the plane, and you zoom out, and he's on the plane, right? Yeah. He's just on a plane. Then you get him moving right to left um, on a walkway. Right. That could be boring, right? Like you could just see that and be like, okay – like we're, the credits the credits are rolling the point. credits are yes. rolling mm-hmm. but which like this is what i'm talking about it's, it might not be that entertaining but like the direction he's moving is important yes i did read that as well okay so that's something i read here in my research in the last like three hours and um i didn't i've watched the movie and researched it in three hours i didn't just do three hours of research that's kind of crazy i understand but uh, moving right to left it it is bad in a movie. It means you're going backwards. Yep. And so like you start off the movie, he's going the wrong direction. What, what the hell? Why is he going the wrong direction? You're about to find out. And then you get him alone with the scuba guy. Did you read about the scuba guy? I did not read about the scuba guy. It, the scuba guy is in his fish tank. Like it's, he's drowning. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he's literally the scuba guy in his own pool. Yes. So, there's so much symbolism and foreshadowing just within the first act, you know, the first 40 minutes, the first 30 minutes. It's really a, it's really an 
art film that has mass appeal in a way that like most films really can't get like the way the way you you really feel like you are him not you are him but you're put into his subjective point of view and you're you're there the whole movie when he's at the 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 scene where he's walking amongst the guests in the first party where he's home Mm -hmm. there was a handheld camera because it's hectic you're supposed to get like knocked around all these relatives and friends of your parents who are all older than you it's really overwhelming and i mean i've been i I don't remember the last time we had that many guests in my house but when i'm around like a group of six older people it's kind of intimidating in a way that like i don't want to like we don't have anything to talk about like why are you interested in me like it's a it's a weird dynamic that is really well illustrated as a i mean i'm 19 and my name is benjamin it's really it's really easy to conflate the twenty year old named Benjamin in the in the movie with parts of your own life. Yeah. So I it's just it, it's just super well done movie. I'll I'll stop gushing about it about the first fifteen minutes of it, but I mean okay, so let's talk about let's talk well, before, about let's talk about that party for a second. Because I did yeah. I did enjoy that sort of frenetic pace that was going on at that party. Um, the, the camera work felt very like I think I know where Steven Soderbergh got his style right because mm-hmm. it was very Soderbergh-esque almost like it was obviously there are no iPhones in 67 but it almost yeah. felt like it was filmed on a phone you know just a handheld phone um, like Soderbergh's known to do so I, I kind of get that and you're supposed to feel that that pacing with Benjamin in the movie and um, yeah I felt it and it was uncomfortable and it was like this guy's life is, you know, kind of in turmoil and which way is up kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I, and I do, I do appreciate some of the symbolism that you talked about in a very kind of like Shakespeare analysis kind of way where there's a lot beneath the surface that you're, witness, you're witnessing so much. some action and it's supposed to mean something and it's uh, uh, sometimes foreshadowing and whatnot. So I can appreciate that. I think I'm, I think, but at the same time, I think I appreciate that stuff less than other people, like mm. certainly less than you. Um, well, I think in this case, I just I, I've had it broken down for me. Yeah, There's I know. so much that I just remember from class that is like, yeah. oh, shit, look at this again. Well, this you discover really something. You, you, you notice something you discover and they're kind of setting up benjamin's character and the decisions he's going to make and the situations and, he's going to put into so i i appreciate that yeah but i don't watch a movie to kind of unpack or you know just to try to figure out where this is going based on some of these stylistic choices oh he's in scuba gear he's underwater <laughs> he feels like he's drowning okay got it but um, uh, uh, um, what i'm i think yeah. my my point is that not only it, it's not only that like mm-hmm the fact that he's in scuba gear in like in the pool this is like 40 minutes 30 minutes into the movie the fact that he's there it makes sense in the plot it it yes it genuinely makes sense why he's in scuba gear <laughs> but it further illustrates his character in a layer or two underneath the plot and what he says and how he fe- and how he acts and how he feels and what he does on the surface. Fair enough. It kills a few birds with one stone. Yes, I get it. And 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 so that's what I mean. Like the fact that all of this looks really cool makes a ton of sense. 
and is like, oh, you could read into this in a lot of different ways. It just means there's a lot of smart people working on this. Not just the director. There's a ton of smart people working on this. The actors know where to go. Choreography is so important in this movie. Mm -hmm. There's so many different aspects of filmmaking that I think generally get ignored when we keep watching these like IP character, not even character based, but like relatively. uh, Okay. Well, how do I describe it? It's not a character based movie, but the people like the characters. It's, it's as if uh, Thor is a character, but I mean, how much do you know about Thor the person? It's not like a, it's not like a, character study it's more of just a ip movie so like that kind of stuff can ignore and gloss over and steamroll minor aspects of filmmaking that this movie really doesn't and it uses all these different little bits of filmmaking like choreography that just doesn't it it doesn't happen in every good movie or every movie that makes a bunch of money Mm -hmm. so that's why i think this is like an important movie if you want to learn how to make a movie like, oh, wow, the lighting is used in a way, the choreography is used in a way, the symbolism, the acting, the performances, camera, lenses, placement, equipment, all that. It's really, it it uses all of the aspects of filmmaking to make a great movie. Yeah. So let's get into, let's get into a different part of the party scene in the first, in that first 15 minutes. Plastics. Let's talk about plastics. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about plastics. <laughs> I, okay, so there's a little story. My dad would, like, say plastics around the house. Not often, but he would, <laughs> he would just it, – it didn't quite make sense to me. I, I never understood why plastics was, like, an important thing to say. Or, like, he would say – like, we would talk about, like, maybe the word the future gets brought up. The future gets brought up. And he would just say plastics. Just to get it out there, because the future is plastics. I read that apparently plastics actually got a huge boost in yeah. popularity with the line plastics with the line plastics. So, did you, what do you, you know about that? Eric? You may be giving the the movie too much credit. I mean, the movie ends up being a, a, a kind of a a preview of what's to come for sure. I don't know that they've influenced. The, the future of plastics because plastics had like you know where it was invented decades before and started becoming i think really um commercially uh there was a commercial boom around this time i believe but um but it was it, it was there was a lot of foretelling there about the, the history of plastics based on where this appeared when this appeared yeah. in in popular culture um so that part's interesting, but it, it does sort of hold some significance in terms of, you know, an old guy putting his arm around a young guy, telling yeah. him what the future is and, in a very plastics. pompous and like, yeah. you know, let me tell you, son, what the world's <laughs> like. But he does it in a way where he gives him one word yeah. and it's sort of an over the top um, condescension, I guess, uh-huh. you know, like, like, and it sort of fits with what Benjamin is experiencing at that point in the movie, mm-hmm. which is like a ton of shit coming down on his head. And then you got this comic relief thing of plastics being whispered it, in his ear. Yes, it's like, yes. okay, got it. I'll write it down. Can I move on? <laughs> yeah. You know, I got, this is I got a very, going on. This is a very funny movie. It is. It it's is. hilarious. 
and I, I don't you know, we should talk about this I don't think it's supposed to be that funny I think that kind of thing is like a condescending like very rude comment and he was like yes sir I'll take it down yes please yeah he so that's fun like that's kind of a joke but, written by written by um uh buck henry part I, I think he didn't he do the screenplay or he was uh one of the two screenplay writers uh yeah so, so there's a i actually read something there was a disagreement on someone was suing someone over the over the writing credits so it's just it's got three it's got three writers, got on three it. writers one, one is buck on henry IMDb. who's got yeah. some some serious snl chops from way back so you know this definitely had some comedy lineage to it uh-huh. um one line i thought was just really hilarious intentionally was when Ben is going to propose to um, Elaine, the daughter and yeah. the Ben's parents say, what makes you think she wants to marry you? <laughs> ben says she doesn't. Yeah. To, per- to be perfectly honest, he says she doesn't like me. Like, like, cause as you, before he says that you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're going to ask this. You, you were on one date. It went okay. And things are starting to fall apart in that relationship, yet you're now going to ask her to marry you. Um, so it was absurd. And the fact that his parents were like thrilled and then like, what is wrong with you? Was Horribly great. And, and Ben yeah. recognizes it too. So it's yeah. just some really strange choices. I think there in the movie happen as they go to Berkeley. The rest of the movie takes place in Berkeley. Yeah. Um, but they, they intertwine some of these really killer lines that are so- just hilarious yeah so to me the funniest parts of this movie are dustin hoffman's deliveries yeah i don't know like it's almost it's as if he had to have been cast because he said one of, he said something like this mm-hmm. in his screen tests but at twelve thirty, he goes oh my god oh no mrs robinson oh no but he does it in in such a monotone ridiculous way considering the tension the sexual tension and just the tension in the scene it is so inappropriate the way he says this line, the way he delivers this line i actually want to play the audio so that we can hear it on the pod so i'm going to take a second oh god oh let me out don't be nervous. Get away from that door. I want to say something first. Jesus Christ. Benjamin, I want you to know that I'm available to you. And if you won't sleep with me this time... Oh, my Christ. If you won't sleep with me this time, I want you to know that you can call me up anytime you want and we'll make some kind of an arrangement. Uh, do you understand what I... Let mean? me out. Benjamin, do you understand what yes, I... Yes, yes, let me out. I find you very attractive. Anytime you want, you do. Oh, Jesus, that's him. Oh, God. Oh, let me out. Jesus Christ. Let me out. So that was the audio where he says, oh, my God. Oh, no, Mrs. Robinson. Oh, no. And it's so unfitting to, like, the tension of the scene. It just makes no sense. And it's hilarious. Yeah. We couldn't hear anything you just played, by the way. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm going to add it in post. That's an add in post one. Oh, yeah, fancy, yeah, yeah. fancy editing technique. Okay, yeah, great. yeah. I'm getting I'm going deep here, Eric. I'm going to figure no, out how to put so some there, audio to add there. To add on to this, the scene when um, – uh, Mrs. Robbins is getting undressed and Dustin Hoffman grabs her boob yes. in an incredibly awkward schoolboy kind of way. Uh-huh. That was not planned. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to tell you this, but you should say it. You should say okay, it. Okay. So Dustin Hoffman brings this kind of this um 
this like unplanned, unscripted act to the movie. And Mike Nichols, uh, it's told here that he begins laughing very loudly. And Dustin Hoffman starts laughing as well because it's infectious. And he, that's when he turns away and goes to the uh-huh. wall, faces away from the camera and starts banging his head against the wall. Like, yeah. I was so stupid for having done that. I'm sorry, Mrs. Robinson. But mm-hmm. he's really doing it because he's also laughing and he wants to hide his face. They leave that in the movie, which... Yes, you shocking. Know, the part about everyone laughing is, was foreign to me. I didn't know that happened when the movie was shot, when the scene was... When uh-huh. I was watching it. But just brilliant and, like shows what sort of a talented actor Dustin Hoffman was to kind of pull that one out and give it a shot. And they were able to use it is just brilliant. Yeah. So I, I had that fact in my research. I'm glad you brought it up just so that like we could, because that's, that's hilarious to read. Yeah, That is nuts. The fact that it's unplanned because to me, I was like, Oh, that is an awesome thing. Like I can't, who the hell came up with that? To go from like grabbing her breast in the most awkward way, not even grabbing it, just like placing his hand. Yeah. Not even, it's just, it's just a placement of his hand. He takes it away and just starts banging his head against the wall loudly. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so funny. It's so funny. His like awkward stances with Mrs. Robinson. It's hilarious. So I, I'm glad we both found that piece of trivia because. That it is, goes to the actors and sort yeah. of the brilliance of the people that were in this movie. You and, know? and Bancroft, I thought, was was incredible in that role. It, it's interesting, the journey I took, which is like, wow, she's super hot as as this woman that's seducing this, this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and she seemed desirable at that point in the movie. And then by the end of the movie, you're like, that chick's crazy. And he needs <laughs> to run away from her. And I can't believe he's trying to marry into this family because... <laughs> she became so unattractive by the end of the movie to me. Right. Um, That wasn't your experience. No, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think of her like once Benjamin kind of gets rid of, not rid of her, but once that is over, once he takes Elaine out and it's pretty much over between him and Mrs. Robinson, Mm -hmm. I never really think of her as a sexual, like as a, a sexually viable, like person for Benjamin's character. It just seems to me that like, Oh, now he's facing these serious repercussions of having sex with a married woman and taking her daughter out now. Mm-hmm. So that's intentional. I mean, I feel like you're you're supposed to go on that journey. That yeah. like she's out of the picture. Mrs. She's, Robinson, yeah, she's, she's way out. Yeah, for many reasons, he's done, and um, I think they did it really effectively because the way the movie started, you have the opposite feeling. Yeah. So there are a few big names. Um, that were all considered for the role of Mrs. Robinson. Uh, Sophia Loren, Judy Garland, Rita Hayworth, um, a lot of other names that I don't recognize, but I probably should if I wanted to call myself a movie podcast host. Uh, Claire Bloom, Angie Dickinson, uh, Susan Hayward, Anouk Ami, Jennifer Jones, Deborah Kerr, Eva Marie Saint, a bunch of other people. There were some French women. Um, apparently, director Mike Nichols wanted two things, or two, he wanted a lot of stuff. Um, he wanted, and th- these two things were connected because he wanted a French actress to play Mrs. Robinson because apparently in French culture, f- older French women teach young men how to be like sexual partners. Oh. Yeah, I-, I don't know the validity of that statement. But anyways, he wanted a French actress. His producers were adamant that he not use a French actress. 
And then so he was like, okay, if you want me to not use a French act- actress, I'm gonna I'm gonna get Simon and Garfunkel for the whole score. And they were like, okay, fine. Mm, so I kind of wish the French actress would have won that. You know, because well, we you should have talked to you should have talked to producers. Let's talk about the music soon because okay. that's, that's bubbling up inside of me here. Really, see, Eric, that's a big mistake for you, man. I love Simon and Garfunkel, not only in this movie, but I genuinely listen to them. They're fantastic. I love listening to them. Sure. <laughs> what do you think? What are your What are your thoughts? Tell us how you really feel. Uh, about well, Simon and Garfunkel. I, I love pizza too, but I don't eat eight pizzas <laughs> at one time. There's too much fucking music in this movie. What? It, the same song is played multiple times. Mm-hmm. Scar, yeah. Scarsborough, what, Scarborough uh, Fair is yeah. like, I can, as I say those words, the goddamn <laughs> song is playing in my head and I haven't heard it for two days and it won't stop playing in my head. It plays too much. There's one time in this movie where this, they, they play two straight songs mm-hmm. with a bunch of tracking and like, you know, montage. no dialogue. And, it's a montage. Eric. Yeah. It's two but, montages. Two montages back to fucking back. Uh, were you not entertained? It took like three minutes. Do I sound entertained? No, apparently, but it was good. <laughs> it was not good. It was it too was. much. I get what the what they were going for. There was a passage of time. There was moving of setting, whatever. And and you and- know what else? You know, if you had this broken down for you in, in your senior year of <laughs> film class, you would know that it could also be a dream, Eric. He could also have been dreaming. You know well, why? Because he I, wakes up at the end. I I think I might have fallen asleep and was dreaming at the time because there was way too much. Dude, so, it, was, it was like three minutes of fast moving like clips of him with transitions that made no linear time sense, which meant like this is open to your interpretation about, hey, is he dreaming? Is this really happening? How are, is time just moving forward or is he like in a different state? Is he dreaming about Mrs. Robinson? The one, the one thing, the one milestone I think I witnessed is that this was the world's first shitty music video. Oh, I'm sorry. What does it, that it mean? Took, it took what does me out that of the mean? Movie. It took me out of the movie. Oh my god! It You're just, telling me there's three minutes in the middle with two different songs. Yeah, the, those two montages took you out of the movie for a time. Yeah, not completely, not permanently, but for a time. Yeah. Okay. So I thought it was a bad choice. Okay. Well, the you're, AFI you're, would disagree. You're exhaling. With you. You're exhaling loudly. Is not going to convince me otherwise. Let me tell you why it is a good choice. Okay. It's an it's a sequence that is short. It does not take that much time. I okay. So I'm watching this knowing what's going to happen. I know that they're going to argue. They're going to fight. Elaine's going to get brought up, and they're going to stop having sex. That I know. So that I'm just waiting for. I I find the moments where they interact with each other in front of other people, Elaine, or sorry, when Benjamin and Mrs. Robinson interact in front of either the husband Mm -hmm. or Ben's parents. I find that very funny. So the montage in the middle and then the two montages that are about three minutes in total length cannot possibly like, well, they wouldn't take me out of the movie. They might take you out of the movie, but they're not bad, Eric. They play with time very well. They, they express that their relationship is moving forward and has moved to a point of potential conflict where now things are getting real. 
it's open to your interpretation of whether that was actually time moving or whether it was him dreaming about it and he's and he's waking up later and then you get this awesome scene where he's laying down and the robinsons are here and it's him looking up at these four parents these godlike figures with the sun behind them like beaming down on him and mm-hmm. he's crick his neck is crick trying to look up at them and speak to them and then he goes like hello mrs robinson it's that is a good sequence okay. that moves the story forward. I don't know what else you could put there to keep you more engaged a and little, do the same thing in as little as time as they did. A so, little less. I could have used it, it felt like it was it was too long. That's all. And I'm not I'm not saying I do not like this movie because of that. <laughs> it is not what's happening here. This is I how like, I often feel. This is how I often feel trying to like criticize a movie. So this I get is an it, opportunity I'm, for you I'm to, sympathizing to, right now. to hear an alternate theory, <laughs> hear this alternate theory, uh, accept it as another person's position. It is your position. Yeah. And move on. Okay. Time to move on. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. What do we move on to? Um, uh, casting can... what ifs. Go ahead. Let's completely switch this up. Or should we, should we like keep going in the story? Well, one cast, another little cast thing that happened uh, towards the end of the, of, in the Berkeley scenes when Norman Fell from Three's Company fame is like the guy, ironically, same, same role as Three's Company. He's kind of like the, the, the landlord. And yeah. um, he's trying to kick um, Benjamin out. And uh, someone from behind Norman Fell's shoulder, as Norman's yelling at Benjamin, says, I'll get the cops. You know, like, this is out of control. Do you know who that was who said that? Who said that, Eric? It was Richard Dreyfuss. What? It's his one line in the movie. And he says, like, should I get the cops? I'll get the cops. And (laughs) it's like one of his very first film roles. And it was Richard Dreyfuss is in this movie? Watch that scene again, man. I had to watch it twice after I read that little bit. So pretty amazing little cameo in there that is not really a cameo because it's his like it's his young acting role that he had. But um, I did love the I did love the the casting of this. Anne Bancroft was amazing. Dustin Hoffman, of course, genius. Um, the the weird thing that I read later is Anne Bancroft when this was filmed, thirty five years old. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman, twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yep. Which is super weird. Six years apart. Yeah. When they're supposed to be obviously a lot further apart. You know who was supposed to be his dad? No. Gene Hackman. Oh, You know yeah. who his roommate was in college? Who Dustin Hoffman's roommate was in college at NYU? Hmm. Um, Gene Hackman. Oh, yeah. Gene Hackman plays old all the time. Gene Hackman was a year older, and he was fired a week into rehearsals because he was not old enough. <sighs> so just like... Then this other guy who actually played the the man who actually plays him is only six years older than him, than Dustin Hoffman. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, well, or, that's, or this goes to Dustin or maybe Hoffman. that maybe it was like um yeah it's just because Dustin Hoffman is twenty nine playing a twenty yeah he looks so young in this yeah movie. he does look really young yeah so that's just I guess and he plays strange. young I mean his, his mannerisms he he looks immature he looks lost so it, you know again yeah. just like. I the thing I love most about this movie is his performance. Let me just say that. Yes. Okay. I can see that. I don't mind that take at all. Yeah. I just think there's plenty of a million other reasons to like this mm-hmm. movie. Um, I read something that was kind of crazy. This movie it, it was in um the Amazon Prime. By the way, we you can stream it on Freebie, the Amazon Prime like free service. 
so I read it. This movie is full of womb imagery. I'm taking this straight from Amazon Prime. Oh, shit. From Benjamin's constant desire to stay immersed in his parents' swimming pool. Bit of a stretch. To the slow close-up shot of the hips of Elaine's roommate as she brings the Dear, Do- Dear John letter to Benjamin. And then to returning to the actual womb of the elder and maternal Mrs. Robinson. I don't know when he does any of that, but oh. someone read into this movie as womb imagery. Um, there's a million ways to read into this movie. There's so many f- different Freudian things. Um, I mean, there's, a, there's so many because she's like playing a character that's so much older. That's supposed to be a lot older. Um, also, yeah, the actress, she doesn't look like she's 35 either. She does look like she's older than that yeah. because she was like actually an alcoholic. And like smoked a lot of cigarettes. Uh, like I think she did stuff like that aged her artificially uh, in a way that um, made her appear more than thirty-five years old. So, so the one other really interesting tidbits I learned is the the, the iconic shot where you see um, Benjamin uh, in the back, the background, and in the foreground is. Anne Bancroft or Mrs. Robinson's leg, her yeah. crook, her leg that's yeah. crooked, you know, like mm-hmm. lying down I know what you're talking about. No, I, I'm very aware. Yeah, I think it's even in the poster. Um, yeah. That is not her leg. That is Linda Gray's leg. Linda Gray mm-hmm. of like Dallas, the, the show, the TV show Dallas. Yeah. Um, that was her leg, which was um, a pretty interesting little factoid. Yeah. So, so anyway, we're talking about other actresses. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead to your, um, your, your, your casting what ifs piece. Um, so Gene Hackman, Robert Redford was supposed to be uh, Dustin Hoffman's Benjamin. He was casting. He was casting. Um, apparently, Dan Nichols was uh, Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols. Sorry, I don't know why I said Dan. Warren Beatty was originally going to be the lead, and then when he didn't get it, like I'm sure he auditioned and didn't get it. Robert Redford was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like Robert Redford auditioned for Mike. Nichols um and he didn't get it because in his audition Mike Nichols was like have you ever been turned down by a woman and Robert Redford goes how do you mean (laughs) he's like yeah this is why you can't do it right so Robert Redford apparently had known Mike Nichols for a while because um Nichols cast him in a uh in a play of his in the early 60s when uh redford was kind of unknown so when it came to this movie he auditioned him for the lead but yeah i mean redford just didn't get it because he was too attractive and i totally get it i watched butch cassidy and the sundance kid last night i watched this movie today and to prepare for the recording and yeah he's way too attractive for this role yeah he's he looks like you know Redford no woman's ever going to say no to him. Uh, I don't know if I'd say no to him, frankly, in 1967. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, It'd be hard to deny him and <laughs> <laughs> Uh But um, yeah, he he was in just another shout out to a 67 Redford movie is Barefoot in the Park with him and uh, Jane Fonda, directed by Gene Sachs, written by Neil Simon which is an outstanding hmm. movie. And I need to see can, that. That's a one. That's it's maybe, amazing. Yeah, I love this one movie. I it's seen. so damn funny and it's so well done. Um, it's just a, a brilliant comedy. So he w- oh. that was around the same time that, that this movie was filmed. So um, yeah, that's, that was a really interesting little tidbit that um, 
that he was up for this role, but good on, I mean, he was like, he was the sort of the good looks king of that time, yeah. Robert Redford, and yeah. would be a logical choice, but him and Paul to, Newman. Right. And to Mike Nichols's credit, it's like, he would have been like star gold for this yeah. movie, but yeah. completely miscast. He needed someone that was awkward, that was uncomfortable. That... And yeah, Dustin Hoffman looks like a boy. Yes. I think I have more developed shoulders than Dustin Hoffman in this movie. And I am 10 years younger than than he is <laughs> when he played this role. I really right. think his shoulders just look so strange. Yeah, he's really scrawny looking in this. Yep. He, has like a, he has like a normal sized torso and then his shoulders and arms just look skinny as hell. Yeah. I, I I'm not no shade. He perform. He's it's one of the best performances I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But yeah, his his body is like boyish. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird that a 29 year old looked like that. But yeah, he wore good suits. You know, in other movies, he he didn't have his clothes off, which is a good thing. <laughs> so. All right. Um, it Cassie- did win. Just in terms of Oscars, I just want to quickly point out that it won. Um, Let's see. One for best director, Mike Nichols. One for best director, and everything else was a nomination, and they did not win for best huh. picture. But for... I think it was nominated a shit ton, right? Yeah, one, two, three, four. It's got uh, seven nominations. Yeah, um, okay, and so only that's... one director. Hmm. But okay. uh... so one thing we haven't mentioned so far is Catherine Ross, Elaine. She mm-hmm. is fantastic in this movie, yeah. and. Anyone who might be on top of their shit more than me, which is most of you, in terms of movies, maybe. Um, she's also in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. She yes. plays at a place in Butch Cassidy. So I saw her yesterday. I saw her today, and I did not recognize her at all. She's a fantastic actress. The movies came out in two years apart. You know, she didn't look that different, but she really immerses herself in Elaine, in Elaine's in the role of Elaine. She looks like a college student. She does not look like how old I assume she might have been when she uh, recorded this or when she was a part of this movie. So she is a fantastic third lead in this in this movie. Um, Elaine is such an important character and she does extremely well to be as beautiful as you would expect a love interest to be in this movie, but also fantastic when it comes to her actual acting and being emotional and expressive physically and um verbally she's fantastic mm. yeah agreed um i'm going to i i'm, I'm diving deep on academy awards that year 68 okay. academy awards for this 1967 movie and i'm, I'm pretty uh, i'm both pissed and i'm uh enthralled by this so dustin hoffman was up against uh, rod steiger won for in the heat of the night i've never seen it but he's Mania. also up against uh, Warren Beatty for Bonnie and Clyde, Paul Newman, Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. Um, which I, I just having seen Cool Hand Luke in The Graduate, it's like those are neck and neck in terms of those performances. It's pretty amazing. Um, but Anne Bancroft, The Graduate, up against um, Catherine Hepburn, who won for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and Audrey Hepburn, Wait Until Dark, which I really love that movie and i thought that she plays a blind woman in that movie and I oh think, yeah that's one of the, that's one that we talked about doing for yes this series. yeah love that movie and i think that performance definitely beats out Anne bancroft but unfortunately mm. audrey hepburn also didn't win so anyway but Catherine ross was nominated for best supporting actress yeah um 
well deserved uh, Estelle nomination. Parsons, Estelle Parsons. I'm sorry, she was nominated. Yeah, Estelle Parsons won for Bonnie and Clyde. Okay. Um, I so. need to see more of 67 movies to really be oh, like, yeah. oh, she was robbed. But yeah. you know, I'm still young. The night is young, Eric. Let's get a. <laughs> we'll get to that. I later. love this classic series. No, because some of these, like Butch Cassidy's, got a special place in my heart. Um, yeah, I can't uh, wait to barefoot do that in the soon. park. You know, all that stuff. It's these are great movies. I should have been taking notes when I did that. My bad, Eric. We could have done that like back to back. Could have done that. Good. We got plenty of time. We do. Okay. So, Uh, what else about this? uh, Let's see. We're now making about as long as this movie. So let's uh, let's move things (laughs) along. Yeah, yeah. It's we're in for a three-hour pod. All right. Just Um, generally, can I say I thought hmm. the movie goes a little off the rails once they go to Berkeley. Oh, it's like okay, so yeah. Well, let's get into the argument portion of this segment. Let's get into where you're wrong. We've we've kind of been arguing already, but go ahead. <laughs> it doesn't go off the rails. I, mm, it, okay, aerial shots of Berkeley uh-huh. with music. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I, I'm not going to go back to music, but that was too much. Um, no. It just gets super weird and stalky in Berkeley. You know, like so to me when money, I see it, yeah. when I see it, that seems normal. That's like a oh, I believe that happened in 1967. That's what okay. I. That's what I see. I wasn't born in that era. Let's call this what what age is the worst. I'm going to say this age is the worst in terms okay. of this movie because that that seems like the fact that she goes to his room when the, that she believes oh yeah the story that he, that that she was told by her mother Mrs. Robinson that Benjamin tried to rape Mrs. Robinson. So Elaine takes that story as her only belief of what happened between Ben and um, Mrs. Robinson and says, I'm going to go to Ben's room in Berkeley where he's stalking me and confront him on this behind a closed door where it's just me and him. It's like, yeah, what the so fuck is that? I mean, she the believes story that he tried end. to rape her mother. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm going to go confront him in his room. So that doesn't age too well. No, that's not at all. Okay, so it was just, I mean, that's me in 2023 watching something from 67. So I'm giving it a bit of a pass on that. I think I just like hearing you get angry. (laughs) I just don't, that is kind of a, okay, you could give it a pass. The movie's over, um, I was about to say 80 years old. That's kind of funny. The movie's over 50 years old, 57, 58 years old now. 56. Um, 56, sorry. I can't, Mm. uh, this is why I go to film school, not... I'm not an engineer. Yes. Anyways, it does not. I, I've seen it enough, so I always know what's coming. Like I know the story. It's I've got a pretty down pet. You know, it starts. It it breaks up. They break up. Elaine starts. They break up. He tries to get Elaine back. You know that's that's simple enough for me. Watching it a third time, but I really don't think it gets that off track. Like I, I wish I could argue. Like. I don't, I don't quite know what you like. What would be on track for this movie? It just mm. always seems like this is what it is, and I, I completely understand it. I was never, I was never taken out of this movie by anything. So I don't quite understand. I, I get ending? that you can be tell, taken. Tell out. me about the ending. What are your thoughts about the last? The scene? ending is really important. Okay, so first of all, he finds. Don't give me, don't give me imagery. Don't give me, you know. He's, First of all, he looks like the sign of a cross when he's up by the window kind of shit. I'm let me tell you about, about the ending. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think it's hilarious. The, it's an action sequence. When yeah. he starts running down the stairs 
And then, and then Mr. Robinson's at the bottom of the stairs. He jumps over. And he's like, he's getting grabbed by Mr. Robinson. He's being physically pulled back. Get the, he rips his shirt. He gets, get, gets, a, he gets lane. He, he, he headbutts people. One guy into the next three people behind him, pushes mm-hmm. them away, grabs a lane, runs, runs out. There's a continuity error. There's like a hundred continuity errors. I, we end up, he's holding a, a gold cross at the door. He's like waving it. Like it's Shrek afraid of fire like he's scaring the ogre away <laughs> with the cross they run out he slides the cross into like across the handles of the door so now the people can't get out it's it's hilarious mm-hmm. that is that is so funny it's a literal there's an action sequence at the end of this movie it's an action sequence yeah. no matter yeah, what you say it's an action sequence i think it's not that well done it's it's hilarious it's like action comedy to it's me at, at this it point bananas for sure at this point yeah. it's action comedy which is like okay so parts parts of the movie where you might have been taken out of i just laughed really hard mm-hmm. i thought like oh my god this is hilarious like why is this happening i, I totally forgot this happened like this makes no this makes no sense i'm sorry about that this makes no sense but it and it's hilarious and then you get to like the most important part which is the last frames it's where they're on the bus them mm-hmm. two together, they're ecstatic. They get on the bus, they run to the back, and they're smiling and laughing. They just, they did it. It's, they wanted what they, they got what they wanted. But as the, as it lingers, a great piece of filmmaking, by the way, as the shot lingers on them, Dustin Hoffman's expression turns blank. Mm-hmm. Elaine's expression goes from ecstatic to, like she breathes out and they both take a deep breath and they realize the situation they're in and they both realize that not their once, maybe if they wanted, maybe their once are satisfied. If they're a character, their once are satisfied, but their needs are completely unsatisfied. Dustin Hoffman has not changed at all. Do you want to know why the song plays again? Hello, darkness, my old friend, the sound of silence, plays again and he's exactly where he started mm-hmm. he's just as lost he now has a partner but she's not going to figure it out for him he's just as lost he has less family he has less friends I, he's completely alone besides the, his partner and they both come to this realization or they both come to the realization at least that what they've done has has serious effects on their life in the future they like they might never see their family again on good mm-hmm. terms. No, it's good insight. There, there's a, there's a version of this movie where they run away together. They're thrilled. It's I, her motivations. I question, you know, sort of running out of her on her own wedding there, um, and the guy she was going to marry and chooses Ben. But then to have them sort of just to have the the weight of that decision like hit their faces like that on the bus. I think uh-huh. was a really good choice. And yes. like it was, it took it from let's get truth. Let's just get really farce about this. And no, let's get some reality back into this picture. And so I really did enjoy that, that last shot. That's an iconic ending to a mm-hmm. very good, very good movie that might have some farcical points. There might be some funny bits that are meant to be funny. I think we're agreeing on something, Ben. Well, I, I mean, yes, you would fight with me. The fighting may be over about the graduate. <laughs> I still think there's a lot 
to be set, admired about this movie. And it's, uh, do you think this is worth a rewatch for you? Is this, are you going to come back to this? Uh, no. Mm. No, I do. I do appreciate its, its place in filmmaking time and all that. I get that. And I respect that. Um, and I, if I watch it again, it would be solely because, you know, Dustin Hoffman sort of blew me away in this role. But outside of that, um, I got what I needed to get out of it. So that is where we differ. I won't argue with it. I'm not going to be like, you should feel like you need to watch this again. You should watch to anyone who hasn't seen it. You should probably watch it if you're interested in it. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Which is why it's good that you watched it so that we can mm-hmm. talk about this. Yeah. But mm, I mean, I would have liked if you felt like you wanted to rewatch it because I think there's a ton of stuff to learn from it, at least at my age. You know, this movie is about a young man who's supposed to be a year older than me. He just finished college. I'm in college. I mean, it's very important. Like, it's a, it's a, culturally significant coming of age story yeah for sure and one that's why it, real, that's why it hits home of, for me yeah one of the first real well done ones i guess in that way um it was it's pretty pretty modern for its time so i get that i get that and you and i are in different places in our lives so yeah um i come at it from a different angle but yeah. uh but i i gave it four stars go ahead and yell at me for that too I wonder what um, four I out did. of five. Um, where does it for you? Four and a half, five? Uh, it's around there. It's it's probably more than four. I'm assuming that I rated it more than four. Oh, four. You, you gave it four. You lying mf'er. I don't you know. Do I don't know why I did that. Is. I don't know why I did that. Uh oh. This entire podcast is a is is a joke. Well, you know what else I gave four stars? Butch Cassidy. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna fight about that another time. <laughs> but look, uh, I, I, there's there's some movies that really hold my attention, and I'm like, "Ooh, this is a great film," like this kind of movie. And then there are some that are like five star movies, where it's like, "Oh shit, no fucking way!" They just did that. There wasn't a lot of, at least on this watch, there wasn't a lot of like "holy shit" moments, but it was mm. still a very good movie. No so doubt, four. you're leaving up. it at four for you, huh? You I'm leaving it, it at four. Yeah, I'll leave it at four. Wow. You, you kind of got to me. You defended this like a four and a half or a five. but uh, Okay. Well, you know, we can, we can argue. I think you just demons. like the fight. You just like the fight. That's what, that's what this is about. Well, yeah, no, no shit. <laughs> All right. We're now, okay, so, I think we're almost an hour here. So let's, uh, let's, let's no, wrap no, no, this we're, up. we're only like 50 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it feels like an hour. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, do you want to wrap it up then? I think Go we, ahead, finish, finish what you want to finish. But uh, I've said I've said most of what I want to say. I'll stand by my four star review. I might even make it four and a half just to spite you. I think it's, saying, it's you sound like it's four and a half. I would be, I would be okay if you changed. Four stars is not disrespectful though. All right, that's not a disrespectful rating. This movie is like on Letterbox has a four point one rating. That's really I, fucking high. Yes, it is. I thought you. I thought for you it was more than that. That's all. I, look, there's a lot of. I, I do kind of want to see where my um where my four and a half and five star reviews are. Um, okay. Babylon. Mm-hmm. Five stars. Okay. Off the rip. Oppenheimer. Eraserhead. Like those kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. Like. All right. 
pretty fucking good. In the mood for love. Oh, you just said that to to poke me. Let's I not. knew I knew it as when I was saying it. I was like, oh man, yeah. He. The he people don't know that. my our our history on that movie. I want to do a Wong Kar Wai movie, and you know what I want it to be? Oh my god, Fallen Angels. Oh my god, I couldn't finish it. Yeah, I, I know. Could, I couldn't finish. You're gonna make me watch that? No, I'm not gonna make you watch it. Good. You know what? <sighs> okay, seeing my other four and a half star movies, I have been kind of generous. I've been kind of generous with four and a half stars. That's a really generous rating for me. There's a lot of four and a half star movies here, but so maybe maybe it is a four and a half star movie. Maybe I got to be got to be generous with the four and a half rating. But I don't know. Five stars is a lot. Mm. Four stars is not bad though. This is a good movie. Go see it if you haven't. It's an sounds American like classic. Sounds like you're negotiating with yourself right now. I am. Yeah, this is a one sided conversation at this moment in time. All right. Why don't we? Do, why don't you? Let's do wrap up. No one wants to hear this shit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get let's get it over with. I am gonna look at all your four star movies uh, when we're done, and and then be I'll look at yours. Me. I'll look at yours, Eric. Bring it. <laughs> all right. Anyway, this is fun. I love the classic stuff. Yeah, I love, yeah. It gives I love, us really. I love free getting range. you to see movies that uh, that getting you need to, to see, see that that I have lived on. So uh, yeah, it's great. Well, I haven't necessarily lived on this movie, but sounds like then again, sounds like you're close. Yeah, I'm right there. The character's right. name in the movie is Benjamin. Yeah, I know. Which is <laughs> it's great. I'm like I'm right there, Eric. I'm basically a part of this movie if you really think about it. <laughs> all right. It was a pleasure recording with you, Eric. I hope Same. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you didn't, let us know. We want to hear your feedback. And if you did, definitely let us know. So this is classics. We're gonna be coming back with a couple more episodes of classics soon. Hopefully you guys like it. Um, anything else to say? See you at the movies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Fucking it. It's the king of my mind. It's yeah, not my catchphrase. It's no, it's not. Phrase. It's really yeah. not. No. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's wrap this thing up. We'll, we'll edit that in post. Oh yeah, for sure. I'll put that right in the front. Actually. <laughs> I'll put that right in front. Right before you would say anything heinous, I'd be like, see you at the movies. You know, The Graduate really looks dumb. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's wrap this worst, up. worst been... ending of a podcast ever. Uh-huh. Good talking to you, Ben. Bye, Eric. Take care. See you, buddy.